Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. Keep, sell, loan, goalkeepers and defenders edition. This is going to be a short episode, isn't it? Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. We we hope you enjoyed our first episode and our little interview series on Monday as we spoke to Scott Munro from The Magic Cast, all about Mourinho, Tammy and life in the Eternal City. And if you haven't checked it out, well, once you've done with this episode, go and put it next on your queue. Talking of queues, there's there's one at the studio door, so we're going to find out who's joining me today. It's Chris. How are you doing, dude? Yeah, good. Uh, <laughs> happy to be back. Uh, it actually feels like ages since, since I've done a podcast now. It isn't, but it just feels like it because we were so used to doing... We've like, been Monday, on Mondays. Monday, yeah. Friday. It's, it feels weird going, like, just a full week without doing anything. Uh, well, that spoilers for the listeners. I, I did when I did some of the interviews this week. I did a lot in the mornings, <laughs> and at one point, because I because of the theme of this particular one, I had a Chelsea shirt on, but I also got half my gym gear on, which was Chelsea shorts. So at one point, I was wearing a full kit. <laughs> it was. I, I did think, oh no, I've got full John Terry. Oh no. Uh, oh, I was like, this is terrible. I mean, I didn't have the boots on. I just had a pair of vans. So I, I, I ended out. I ironed it out. Uh, right. Sadly, Berth's out of action today. But he's going to return, though. He's going to be like a Marvel here at the end of their movie. He will return in the sequel. The sequel episode coming up. Probably next week. But um, so usually I kick off the show with who is that former blue. But without Berth, I feel we'll change things up so he doesn't miss out. So today, listeners, to celebrate the Platinum Jubilee and the bank holiday weekend that started on the 2nd of June, your challenge, Chris and the listeners, is at the end of the episode is to name every Chelsea player who wore the number two during and after the 2000-2001 season. So get ready for that at the end. Dan Petrescu doesn't count because he uh, finished in 99-2000, so we're not including that. Think, think, think you'll get them all? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, there's, there's a fair. Oh, to be fair, I think there's about I five. Think, I can think of two. Oh, I think I'll, I'll probably drop some clues out. I'll drop some clues. That would be ideal. <laughs> yeah, it would be best, wouldn't it? Right. With that, we're going to head straight to the newsroom. Still, latest is at Stamford Bridge. So, weekly roundup time, isn't it? Let's get in that elevator, find out what you may have missed. Marina Granovskaya is likely leaving Chelsea at the end of August, and the top target to replace her is Andrea Berta of Atletico Madrid. Chelsea are exploring the option of adding an ex-player to their new look board. Crawley Town explored the possibility of recruiting Emma Hayes as their new manager. Rhys James and Conor Gallagher have been nominated for the PFA Men's Young Player of the Year Award. Senior Premier League sources are expecting Marina Granovskaya to issue a rare formal statement in the near future regarding her position as Chelsea director. 
Romelu Lukaku has apparently agreed term to Inter Milan and now it is down to Chelsea if any type of deal happens this summer. And finally, in the news, the Chelsea Megastore is back online. So get your orders in for the novelty items, loo roll, toasters. I found that out this week. Um, yeah, get them in now. Uh, what, what's caught your eye this week, Chris? Um, it's got a bit like Haku in it. It just keeps rolling on, doesn't it? You're not you're not convinced by a toaster. I mean, I mean, I feel like that's the top story because as I, soon as I found out you can get in burnt in Chelsea badge on a piece of bread, toast, whatever, I was like, wow, I didn't even know that existed. Now I can't even find one to buy one, so I'm a bit like, no. But uh, yeah, <sighs> it's gonna be what I'm like. I want it for no reason other than to own it. Can't get one. Yeah. Great. Yeah, Lukaku uh, seems to just oh, it just keeps going on and on. Yeah, to, I mean, I think it would be best for everyone if he left now. I think it'd be best for the club because I'm fed up of hearing about it and the best for him because it just, it just hasn't worked out for him personally. And I don't see it getting any better. I do think it's it's a massive joke, though, to be honest. I think the fact that we can sign a striker and... I don't care what people say, a proven world-class striker for £100 million in one summer and then have the fans calling for him to be sold the summer after and us actually do it sums up how poorly this club has been run for a long time. Mm. Like The amount of money that we waste and... this, uh, To be honest with you, the fan base uh, with this whole Lukaku situation hasn't covered themselves in glory, I don't think. Yes, we know about the interview. I said at the time, I thought the interview was blown completely out of proportion. I, I honestly don't... I still, to this day, and we're nearly... Well, we're probably over six months past since that interview. I still don't know now what he said that was so wrong, that, that really upset people so much. I've listened to it. I've read the transcript. I don't understand what upset people so much. Like, be a little bit annoyed that he did the interview. But, like, honestly, people went, why? Are... It's like he come out and went, you know what? I absolutely hate Chelsea. Hate Chelsea. Hate the fans. Can't stand it here. He didn't say any of that. I just, uh... so that was blown completely out of proportion. And then the same fans who were calling for, patience and we're going to have to have patience with the new owners and patience with the rebuild and we're going to have to have patience with this player like Hudson Adoy's prime example people now still calling for patience with Hudson Adoy done nothing in like six years are the same people who are who are saying that Lukaku after one poor season gotta be sold that these people Didier Drogba would have been sold if Chelsea signed him now if we'd signed Didier Drogba last summer and he had the exact same season as he had in his first season. People now would have been saying, Salim, not good enough. Got to replace him, not good enough. There is no patience. now, And it's not just Chelsea fans, it's in football in general. But there is no patience. But the reason why we have struggled so much to find a Drogba replacement and a Costa replacement is because there's no patience in any player that we sign. Everyone wants them to be perfect straight away and it's it most of the time it doesn't work like that 
if you look at Luka Modric, for example, look how good he's been for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. But he was ter- he was terrible in his first season. Voted he was worst the- player of the season, wasn't he? Yeah, he was voted the worst La Liga signing ever. And now <laughs> look, he's won like five Champions Leagues uh, and been a big player in that. So whoever we replace Lukaku with, I mean, I said ages ago that I won't get excited about any attacking signing we we ever make again. So. I don't care really who we replace him with because I'll be expecting them to fail anyway. But whoever <laughs> we replace him with, I would, I would, I fully expect whoever comes in as Lukaku's replacement, if this deal goes through, I fully expect by Christmas people are calling for them to be sold again because that just tends to be how we are. We want someone to come in. A bit like Costa did. We need someone who's going to come in and do what Costa did and score like, 12 goals in his first 14 games or something. I mean... That's you... the only way I see anyone now accepting that, oh, maybe this player is good. Instant success. I do understand where you're coming from with that because I think of Erling Haaland. The expectation is he's going to come into Manchester City and score 20-plus goals, 25-plus goals. If he doesn't, there will be the classic, well, he's flopped. Yeah. He's... Oh, you know what that is? Bundesliga tax and all yeah. that sort of uh, ridiculous. It will happen. It will happen. He has to score. I think if he doesn't score over oh, 20 goals, if he doesn't score more than 20 goals, I think there'll be calls that he hasn't been a success. Yeah, but I agree. But I would fully, if he come in and say next season he scores like 12 goals and he's relatively poor, Man City won't sell him. No. And then I would fully expect the season after he'll probably go win the Golden Boot. Yeah. Because, that's, <laughs> because that's what happens at City. They you, don't they don't tend to be as like pull the trigger on players as quick. You brought up Drogba. His first season, we're gonna go Premier League stats here. We're not gonna go into league competitions and all that. Oh four, oh five, he came in, scored ten in twenty six. Lukaku for just for comparison, scored eight in twenty six this season, which is convenient that it's the same amount of games he played. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, you could go. Well, what about minutes and etc. If it's a sub appearance, well, I haven't, I haven't got those stats in front of me, so I'm not going to do that. Um, season after that, Drogba got 12 in 29, and then in 0607 he had 20 in 36, which was like, whoa. And the, I do believe it was around there were calls, and I think he's commented on it about he should be sold, and he didn't, which was good, and he became a legend. And then he had that 09. 10 campaign where he got 29 and 32 which is still like wow <laughs> wow amazing um yeah but instant success unfortunately is just the way of i'd say football is now and i think as well you've got social media where people can instantly put their opinion out whilst back 10 10 15 years ago uh you had the only time you would ever hear of the feelings of the fans to a point you'd have fan forums and that sort of thing but was in the terraces you'd hear yeah. that you could tell the atmosphere mm, this isn't going well whilst now you can have an opinion within 10 seconds of a player into his debut which it doesn't help and i think as well we we always talk about the mental aspect of the mental side of the game let's be honest i understand when celebrities say i don't read anything about me online and i understand when you hear different celebrities as well who don't have social media. I understand that because one, private life, fair enough. But also they don't want to see the negativity because 
we're all we're all I think we're all in the same boat where we'll you can have five people say a positive about you, but that one negative you hear will stick with you. And it's that's just that's just seems to be how it's going at the moment and it's so frustrating you know i look at the last i put a post on instagram on at at the bridge pod on instagram follow it um our most five expensive signings you have torres at 50 million Morata at 58 million kepper at 71 havertz at 75 and lukaku at 97 well havertz you could say has been how you can justify a price tag of that high, I don't know. But Havertz has been reasonable because he has the Champions League winning goal. And that's probably going to pay for that fee. It's kind of how we see it. Torres as well, for me, will always be successful because he didn't win a title, but he won Europa League and the Champions League. And he was key to those successes. So in my opinion, that was paid off. Kepper was, that was a release clause. It is what it is. Look, yeah, but it's it's it doesn't look good, does it, our business? But of course, new owners, and hopefully that's going to, be more smart signings instead of we'll go for them. We'll go for them. Is that what you're kind of hoping as well? I, I really hope so. Um, but I really hope that the new owners aren't as buy and sell quick fire as mm. previous. Like if we, if you're, if you're going to make an investment in a player, like we're talking now about, they want to make one marquee signing. So whoever that may be, if you're going to invest a large transfer fee in a player, you have to give them then time. You cannot then be looking to sell them or even have the rumour of them moving on after one season. It it mm. just, it can't happen. Like Man City spend a lot of money. We know that. But I don't, I never really hear rumours about Anyone who goes there being sold after a year, look at Jack Grealish, £100 million they paid for him, had an awful season, had little to no impact on that Man City team at all. They still would have won the league if he wasn't there. So yeah. that he had no impact. I haven't heard a single rumour about Grealish leaving Man City. If he'd have signed for us, do you think we'd be trying to sell him? <laughs> yeah, if we'd signed Jack I was thinking the same. For 100 million, and he'd had exactly the same season, our fans would have been calling for him to be sold. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it develops. I mean, it is the time of the year where we, we must look at our squad and, oh, this, look at this segue, perfect, and decide, should they really be here for next season? I mean, that's right. You know, you know what's coming. It's keep, sell or loan, but we're going to do it in two parts. Goalkeepers and defenders edition this week. Midfielders and forwards will, of course, be looked at in due time. So we're going to see who was on our books for the 21-22 campaign. So goalkeepers, we had Eduard Mendy. We had Kepa Arifa Balaga and Marcus Bettinelli on the books. We had Nathan Baxter, Jamie Cumming and Carlo Zyga, or Ziga, who spent the season on loan. Now, before we make a harsh decision and kick some out of the club, how do you feel about that selection of six keepers, Chris? Uh, it's I think number one's okay <laughs> um, and then I, um, we've been saying for a long time you can't have a £71 million backup it's, it just doesn't it just doesn't sit well with anybody that's awkward uh, I've got him as keep keep Kepper <laughs> <laughs> I'm just spoiling it already uh, 
Benelli's a perfect. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I never overly worry about third choice goalkeeper in, until you have the injury crisis. Until we need start, Yeah, and then you start thinking, oh, hold on a minute, actually. But I mean, realistically, not many clubs ever get into that position, do they? Where they need their third choice goalkeeper. It's happened to us once before, I think, with Hilario. Mm. But I don't remember it happening again. So. The young keepers, to be honest, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a lot about any of those young keepers that you said. Um, really? Are you saying about third choice goalkeeper? I've got to say it. Um, QPR had to use their sixth choice this season. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, they they had a real, whew, I mean, injuries, and then they had to get emergency cover. I think at one point, four of their keepers were injured. Someone pulled out during a warm up. And it, I mean, that must have been if you ever it's like when they joked about Burnley had four goalkeepers and you thought if you're the fourth choice keeper at Burnley, you're like, eh, I will never play. Well, imagine being the fifth and sixth choice, but you're playing because it's that's just bad luck. I mean, you hope that never, ever occurs, but it can happen. Yeah, I mean, look, I've got Mendy at keep, obviously. I've got Kepper and Marcus as well at keep just to have. But you are spot on. You are spot on with. 70 it's not so much 71 million pounds it's the fact that the wages yeah. and you could argue you know will he sign a new contract he probably won't he, he probably he would have no reason to i mean if he, he doesn't want to be a backup and yeah he's great in cup competitions he's great in the shootouts no no issues there it, but if a bid comes in that's of a decent size probably i don't know 50 million throw that out there yeah, you'd probably expect him to be sold. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you know. I, I don't think we'd get anywhere near that for him, if I'm honest. I think you're... If it's think, Newcastle, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'd have Mendy as keep as well, just just putting that out there. I think that's a, a no-brainer. A no <laughs> well, well Bettinelli's definitely going to stay because he's got another year on his contract, so... And again, I, again, third choice keeper, not really that bothered. Someone like him is perfectly adequate for that role. And, you know, he's more than happy to do that role as well. Um, mm. Kepa, I would sell because I think not only the wages and the fee, if the rumours are to be believed about him not being overly happy with Tuckle, about leaving him out of the finals, it's just another player who's unhappy. And he's always behaved well around the, the squad from, from what you hear, to be fair mm-hmm. to him. Like, but that can, that can only last so long. And in, into next season, if he was looking at, you know, coming up to sort of Christmas time, if he still hasn't played any football, except for maybe the odd Carabao Cup game, he's not going to be. And to be honest, he is... He, He's had his problems, Kepa, but he's still too good just to be sitting on our bench. I think oh, he's yeah. more, than, more than capable of going to a less high-profile team and doing a good job. You know, so... Uh, I love how Lazio we, get linked, and I think Sarri's like, oh, Sarri apparently really admires him and loves him and everything. And I just think, did everyone forget about that League Cup final? Did know, everyone right? forget? It's like, that didn't happen. What? What did it? No. Hey, if they want to pay 50 million, cool. I mean, you mentioned about the other three. So I'm going to say loan. 
However, Nathan Baxter did have some impressive games for Hull. I mean, his debut against Barnsley in November netted him a, a team of the week spot in the championship team of the week. And Hull do want him on a permanent. And to be fair, I can't blame them because how good is he or could he be? Well, a few Premier League teams have been linked with him as well. And if you're in a position to sell Kepper due to a high fee, let's be honest, he's got high wages for a backup keeper, as I've mentioned. And it doesn't look good financially. And especially with the new ownership, you'd think that that would play a part. Then maybe Baxter should be given a chance at backup to Mendy. I mean, I'm nervous to say that, but we keep saying trust in youth. Is he ready? Maybe we need I to find out. I don't think you trust in youth with a goalkeeper. Yeah, That's... I can understand your point with the experience side of it, yeah. Yeah, because goalkeepers really don't peak until they're in their 30s. I think if he was coming in as third choice, then I'd say, yeah, I think he that'd be, that would be fine. But if you're coming in as the backup, you're only one injury away from with Mendy. I mean, Mendy could could get injured the day after the transfer window closes. And then all of a sudden we've got, how old is he? Probably 19, 20, something like that. Mm. Well, coming what, in how the, old Nathan Baxter is? Yeah. Uh, let me just double check. Don't want to get this completely wrong. He is 23. That's actually That's actually not overly young, is it? No, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but still, with the lack of experience he's got coming in and being Chelsea's first choice would be too much of a step up. I think that's why teams go for experienced goalkeepers as number twos. I think Nick Pope would be a great pickup for us as a number two if Keppel was to go. Now Burnley have been relegated. Yeah, that'd be an interesting shout, actually. Baxter, I mean, I, I mean like I said, I don't know overly too much about him to be honest but if Hall wanted him permanently and he's performed well there I think it would be a good option to sell him put the buyback clause in and yeah. because he might in you know six years time he might be really good and then you've always got that buyback option in there No, and I can totally understand and agree with that I mean so how we fit Mendy we're agreeing keep Bettinelli keep yeah. Kepa with you feel sell I've put Keith, but yeah, if we can get a decent backup in, then yeah. Uh, defenders, this one will be fun. Um, so who do we have on the books? We had Rudiger, Christensen, Chalaba, Saar, Thiago Silva, Chilwell, Alonso, James and Aspilicueta. With Ampadu, Niazga, Rahman, Emerson, Levi Colwell, Matson, and Sterling returning from loans. So they were out, obviously. Rahman, I want to point out, has had his deal... And this week, so I doubt we're going to be triggering any surprise extension clauses there. I haven't heard that. don't think anyone else has. I'm happy to be corrected. And let's be fair, Rudiger and Christensen, well, uh, they've gone. They've Rudiger's confirmed he's off. Christensen, we don't even know if Barcelona can afford a Spotify membership each month, let alone uh, a player. Who knows there? I mean, that's... You know, uh, how are you feeling about our defenders from that lineup? Oh. I mean, some Ooh. some we know, obviously. Um, Rudiger's gone. Yeah, I think he has left, yeah. Christensen, whether he goes to Barcelona or... That's going to be great, isn't it? If he can't, if they can't sign him and he's just sort of existing. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah, we're not going to... We're not we're not offering I, you a new deal. No, I wouldn't sign him back anyway. I'd rather him just 
I'd rather him be a free agent and go to anyone. Um, to be honest with you, most of the others I'd keep. Um, from the from the players who was with us this year, not the ones who was out You'd on keep Malong Sar. No, I wouldn't. No. no I've got to I've got to say I he's on my sell list. Just yeah, because the, yeah, the fan yeah. base certainly have shared yeah. their views on him. It's it's a strange one with Sar though, because when he first came into the team, he actually played reasonably well. And then mm. it just seemed as the season went on, he got worse. I think maybe I think he's maybe one of them players where he needs to play regularly to get into a rhythm. But obviously he's not good enough to play regularly. So yeah, for that reason I probably would I probably would sell him. Um obviously Thiago Silva would keep. Obviously Chalaber would keep. He had a really good breakout, yeah. Um Chilwell I'd keep. Rhys James, I'd keep. I mean, those are the obvious. Oh, glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, those are the absolute obvious ones. I, I personally would like to keep Aspilicueta for another season because I think with the defenders we've already, we're already going to have to sign. Can you really afford to lose another one? I, I, I don't think we can personally. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd rather keep him around and just for the final year and. Keep him around the dressing room. Keep him around the team. It's the same with Alonso. To be honest with you, I keep Alonso. Um, people are talking about get rid of Aspilicueta, get rid of Alonso. But I mean, that would leave us needing to sign a backup right back, a backup left back, and what two, maybe three centre backs. That's a lot of signings. And if the if the the war chest is to be believed, and it's only two hundred million. You're not getting five quality defenders for two hundred million. That's that isn't happening. So, would we be signing backups any better than Aspilicueta and Alonso? Probably not. You know, you, you probably get younger ones who could potentially be better eventually, but I don't think you're going to sign anyone who's better now. So. I, I would keep those two as well, to be honest. And then I'd just be looking really to replace Christensen and, and Rudiger. I mean, I've got keep Chilwell, Chalaber, yep. Silver, James. Now, these two, I think I've got Ampadu keep mm. and keep Sterling, as in Dujon Sterling, if anyone's listening, thinking, huh? But yeah, I mean, Sterling was impressive last season, I know, at Blackpool. And I know some people have said, yeah, championship. If we're going to play that, Rhys James, championship at Wigan. Wow. When he came into the team, wow, he stepped up. Mason Mount, Derby. Wow. And... Got to put it there. And Yeah, and and Chalaba, he had championship loans. I know he was in France the season before he Mm. came the first team, but he was in the championship before that. And you've got to think Sterling isn't coming in as the starter. A bit like James. He didn't go from Wigan to being our starting right back. He come in as yeah. as Pilaquetta's understudy. And so that's what Sterling would be doing now. And I just think people are being unrealistic. I think people when they're saying No, he's not good enough, you know, he's only had championship experience, we'd have to loan him out again or sell him because we need quality backup. People who are talking like 
they want Reese James as our starter and then someone as good as Reese James as backup. And then they want Chilwell and someone as good as Chilwell as backup are being incredibly unrealistic. That does not happen. I can't think of a single club that has that. No, even Liverpool, to be fair, have got Trent yeah. and then uh, Simakas. Yeah, who's exactly. decent, but you wouldn't put him as a first teamer no. for Simic- the top six. Simakas isn't as good as Robertson. There's a clear drop off between those two players. And Trent's back up. It's like James Milner. So, Sorry, yeah, Robertson, not Trent Alexander. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even Man City. They've got Canseo, and then their backup is Zinchenko, who isn't as good as Canseo. No, and then no. When Kyle Walker got injured, they were playing Fernandinho there. Yeah, or, I, so. yeah it's like so, people talking about Mark Cucurella. Love, I would love him. Yeah. I would love him at the club, but I can't see him accepting a backup role. And why should he? He was one of the best players in the Premier League exactly. last season it, in his position. It won't happen. You will not get two players of same quality for every position. It just it just doesn't happen. No. Especially in defensive areas where for the main part managers don't like to rotate because a defence is something that has to be settled for it to work as a unit. Mm. I think in like you look at Man City, for example, they have players of similar quality as backups in forward areas because you can rotate a lot in those sort of areas. Similar in midfield, really. You you can get away with rotating in there. But defenders, you want a settled back four or back five, whatever you, you're playing. You want that to be settled. So there is always going to be a drop-off between your first-team player and your backup. Yeah. I mean, that's why... I, I mean, I'd say with Dujon, give him a chance this summer in pre-season and see how he, he, how he does. Because he has played at left-back not many games... I mean, I think it was about, I think, eight or so, nine or so in total. But four of those were very recent and they were the back end of the championship season. And he did all right for the 90 minutes. So it wasn't too bad. But obviously his main position is right back. But again, if he's got that to cover both sides. Uh, Ampadu, well, I've got a reason. At Venezia, the same. I mean, he was pretty damn decent in Serie A when he wasn't serving a suspension because it seemed that whenever I was going to turn into a Venezia, Venezia game, he was suspended. That's just my bad luck. But yeah, I think he's been, he's worthy of getting a chance now. And otherwise, if not now, it's never going to happen, unfortunately, especially when he can play centre-back and we, we have this issue. Uh, Sal, I have Azpilicueta because I assume that's going to happen. That's why it's in there. I wouldn't, I agree with your thinking to keep him around I do agree but I feel he will be sold anyway um Emerson I've got sell uh Alonso Miazga and Malong Sar. I mean Alonso clearly wants to go from what we've heard again I don't have a clue how Barcelona are going to pay pay us for them I mean like I said they seem to be going shopping and left their card at home and I'm hearing that their card will be declined anyway uh, Miazga's had five loans already and the poor guy just, just won't play for us, will he? He's never going to play. Um, he joined at the age of 20 and he's now 26. I think it's time to to let him go. I know it's hard, but it's, it's got to be done. Uh, Malongstar, go on. To be fair, he hasn't really developed either. No, it's a shame because I remember watching him in the MLS and I was actually quite excited at the time. No, people yeah, go, he, yeah, I'm sure you were. No, it really was, because he was actually quite decent for New York Red Bulls. 
they did have high hopes for him in in America. He was a highly rated young player, but mm. it just it just hasn't happened. And I think that is what happens when you spend most of your career out on loan. Yeah, you just get almost forgotten about, unfortunately. Yeah. Sar uh, sell. Moving yeah. on. Um, Emerson seems to be the one who could be sold for a good price or be used as a backup. Now I understand that 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 argument. It's I don't know. I'm glad I don't run the club. But we are targeting wing backs, so I can't see him staying. But no, who knows? Who knows there? Uh, probably another loan, knowing our club. Um, so, talking of loans, I've got Matson and Colwell to Premier League teams. I mean, they've been solid for their previous loans. And for me, I'd say they need a Premier League loan to showcase that they are ready to step up. I know you could say, well, look at the championship you've said about James, uh, Mount, etc. I know, but I think... You, I don't think, I don't know, maybe putting too many players from the championship who've done well into the first team straight away is a bit bit too much too soon. That's, I don't know. I mean, I'm confident in them both. And if it's true that Dortmund want Matson on loan, then that should be a deal we need doing ASAP. Great experience. Maybe yeah. even send Colwyn in a package deal on loan. <laughs> I mean, unlikely. But what do you think on the loan side? I'm so glad you've said that. Um... The, when I seen the link of Matson to Dortmund, I instantly thought that would be a great move because he'll go over there, he'll get game time because they don't mind playing young players, even in high-pressure situations in Germany. Um, he'll get Champions League experience. He'll get experience of playing in front of, uh, let's face it, a very demanding crowd. Um, I think that would be great for him. And then that, for me, then would even make or break him in terms of coming into the Chelsea team. He goes over there and he's a success. Then he comes back and you think he he could be ready for for this level. Or if he goes over there and he doesn't succeed, then you start thinking, OK, maybe he needs another loan or maybe yeah, and you're looking to sell, but putting that option to buy in in case he ever does develop. So that move would be a no-brainer for me if that, if that loan come in. And then Cole Will, I'm really glad again that you've brought up about loaning him because there are so many people on Twitter who are trying to shoehorn him into the Chelsea, not just the squad, but the actual team. The amount of Chelsea starting 11s for next season I've seen from people and he's included. And I think he is not ready for that. Like he's had a very good loan spell and I'm not taking the own goal in the playoffs people turned on him quick didn't they for that yeah not taking that into account at all because it was it was it was unfortunate and you know it happens to the best players so this has got nothing to do with that in case people are thinking it is but to go from Huddersfield in the championship to being a starting player for Chelsea in in our defense wouldn't happen Mm. it hasn't it hasn't happened even for Reese James, like I said, even he was an understudy. Probably only Mason Mount come from Derby to be in a starter in this Chelsea team. But to do it as a centre-back would be an incredible task for him. A lot him. of pressure, a lot of pressure. I mean, I could see him heading to Everton because of the Lampard connection. Yeah, a, a Premier League loan. That If we're going to loan him out, though, I would only loan him to a Premier League team and 
I, I mean, I, it's moving one on way you know it. he'll play. Yeah, one way you know he'll play, and not someone like Norwich, because right, we've all seen league. we've all seen what's happened to Gilmore, yeah. and I think. I think we agreed on that in the summer when we was talking about Gilmore potentially going on loan to Norwich and we were saying then that what's he going to learn going into a relegation battle? It's not going to show you whether he's ready for the elite competition that we do, the, the level that Chelsea are. You, they, they learn nothing. It was the same when Ampadu went to Sheffield United. It was a pointless loan move. So I wouldn't want to loan him to someone like Bournemouth, for example, who have just come up from the championship. Looking at their squad, aside from them having a, a Brentford or Sheffield United type season, they're probably going to be in a relegation battle. What would he learn from going there? He's not going to learn anything. It needs to be a stable Premier League club who aren't going to be fighting relegation. Uh, yeah, That's I'm... why Gallagher so well at Palace because it's it's it he's still surrounded by good players. Mm. I mean, to be fair, the most pointless loan of Ampadu's career was Leipzig. I was excited. I thought this yeah. is this is a loan that's going to do three games in the Bundesliga. Yeah, <laughs> one. I think it was two in there in the was it one or yeah I think one appearance in the um, their cup and a three in Europe. Yay! No, that's yeah, not that's... what that's not great. Not great experience. Not great experience. No. But we'll we'll see how it plays out. So before we sign off, I I said about this quiz. Oh yes, I'm doing it on the fly because I didn't write this bit down in the script. But um, so. To celebrate the Jubilee, it was started on the 2nd of uh, June. Every player since the 2000-2001 season who wore the number two for Chelsea. I think the first... You've got one. I'm sure you're going to get one straight away. Yeah, I think I can get the first one. I think he might... Well, I'm I'm hoping he might be the first one. Uh, Glenn Johnson. Whoa, yes. Wow, that's quite impressive, actually, because I didn't... I, I forgot that. So, yeah. Glenn he, Johnson. He changed number as well, which I found strange. Because it's I, well, according I to this, that. he wore number two from 2003 to 2006, and then again in 0708. Now, did he go on loan or did he wear another number? Because it doesn't actually oh. say on here. I don't oh, remember sure. him. He, he went to Portsmouth, that. but I don't know if we sold him. But yeah, he's oh, on there. Yeah. Uh, Ivanovic, obviously, we'll get that one out of the way. Yeah, he's in there. Um, no, I'm struggling. Oh yeah, he did go on loan to Portsmouth. Sorry, that's why. It, yeah. So Glenn, jo- so what season was we starting from? Sorry. 2000, 2000, 2001. So Glenn Johnson wasn't the first. What's it? This this play? Well, no, it was vacated for two seasons after 2001. Oh. Okay, so then there's, there's only there's only two players you've got a name now. You've got Glenn Johnson, you've got Ivanovic. There's one, there's two more. Rudiger. Yeah, one more. I should have really said how many there were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would have helped. Any anyone? Yeah. If you get this one, this is brilliant. If you get it, he was a loanee, and he's one of my favourite loanees to bring up about Chelsea. 
Because it's one of them where everyone forgets that he played for us, but he has two Champions League titles to his name. And he's he's well known and he's a very good manager. A very good manager, he was a very good player, sorry. Uh, what year are we talking? What, when he played for us? Yeah. 2000-2001. He did play for us when he was on loan. It wasn't like he didn't. No. I'll, I'll give you a clue. I'll give Go you on. a clue. He was on loan to us from Inter Milan. And Inter Milan signed him from Real Madrid. Right. Which, which kind of gives away where he won one of his Champions Leagues. He won a Champions League at AC Milan. But I think most people remember him from his Roma days. So he is Italian. Ah, oh, I know him. It, it's, it's, it's one of my favourites to bring up when I go, do you remember when they go, you see a tweet go out by an account saying, oh, players you forgot were on loan at your club. And I'm like, yeah, this one, everyone forgets him. And I'm like, oh, we had him on loan. It's so awesome. Even though he was barely there. Christian Panucci. That's the one. Now, if you got that at first time, listeners, I'll be really impressed. Please tweet us yeah. because I would, I love that people still remember him. He, he was great. He did play against, he, actually, according to this, in the Premier League, he played, uh, played the first seven games of the season for us. And then again in game week 12, and then he never played again. So, that yeah. is weird, isn't it? Because, I mean, he went on to have a really good career. I don't know why he was on loan at us. I had no idea. For some That's reason, true. I mean, it's always strange when you get like a top class, world class player for, on loan, if I'm yeah. being honest. Uh, let's have a quick look. What did he, why did he go on loan to us? Uh, he transferred to Inter in 99. He was not able to recapture his previous form. He, he, oh, he clashed with the manager. Um, and in August 20, 2000, he was sent on loan to Chelsea, where he scored once in the UEFA Cup against St. Gallen, made eight appearances in the Premier League, failing to find the back of the net, even though that's not really his role. <laughs> but he's still <laughs> listed there. I love how they've listed that on Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. And then he went to Monaco and Roma. So, yeah. Well... There we go. But we have come to the end of another episode about the Bridge Pub. But hold up, it's time for our interview series teaser. So this Monday will all be about Todd Bowley because I sat down with Jeff J. Snyder of the Locked On Dodgers podcast to talk all about how Todd Bowley has changed the fortunes of the LA Dodgers franchise and how he could apply the same strategies to Chelsea and turn us into a dominant force within European football. And trust me, there is a lot. I, I know nothing about baseball. I'm not even going to pretend I do. And I learned quite a lot about how Todd Bowley runs and does the scouting and recruitment. So I, I was very grateful for Jeff for breaking that down for me. And we also talked about some food, which I think is worth the price of admission alone, even though the podcast is free to listen to. You get the idea. It was really, really good. So as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you do not already follow us. And that's just by searching for at at the bridge pod. So till Monday, when that comes out, that's going to be us signing off. <laughs>